So I think we're going to win the United States Senate. You could easily have Democrats in charge of the Senate and the House. Stay tuned. That's just part of what's ahead in our bonus content following this week's edition of In Focus. Exploring the issues that matter most in Indiana. This is In Focus with Dan Spieler. The Chief Justice of the Supreme Court sworn in Thursday with the president's impeachment trial getting underway in the U.S. Senate. A lot to get to this morning, including the governor's state of the state, plus reaction from Indiana lawmakers on the new trade deals and the impeachment trial, which gets underway when the Senate returns to Washington on Tuesday. Our Trevor Shirley has more from the nation's capital. With impeachment now in the Senate's hands, Democrats want the process to be impartial. Today, we will make history. Whether to call witnesses in the Senate trial remains a major sticking point. Indiana Republican Congressman Jim Banks warns Democrats to be careful what they wish for. Mitch McConnell, other Republican leaders have already said if the Democrats call witnesses, Republicans will call witnesses too, and that would likely include Hunter Biden. Adam Schiff and others who have drug, drugged this country through the mud. But Ohio Congressman Tim Ryan says in the end, senators won't have a choice. The American people are learning more and more about this. And, you know, I think the Senate's going to end up caving and they're going to have to allow witnesses to testify. Which would be fine with Indiana Senator Mike Braun. All along, I've said that I'm okay with that as long as it's reciprocal. The president has said his first choice would be to have the Senate simply dismiss the articles of impeachment, but even some Republicans aren't backing that plan. I know there's a lot of chatter uh, in the news media, and I understand that, but I'm really just waiting to see the case as presented to the United States Senate. I'm not paying attention to Rachel Maydow interviews or some of this stuff on the outside. I think it needs to go through the proper procedures, have the trial, and uh, listen to both sides and then vote on uh, a verdict. The trial's expected start date is Tuesday and could take anywhere from a few weeks to more than a month to complete. Reporting in Washington, I'm Trevor Shirley. Democratic Congressman Andre Carson said in a statement, I hope my Senate colleagues, as they prepare to take the lead on this process, will be guided by the evidence before them. He says this is not about politics. It's about holding the president accountable to the Constitution he swore to uphold. Now to Governor Holcomb's state of the state address. The governor promising more action on teacher pay next year, while Democrats say it's not fast enough. Our Kayla Sullivan has reaction from the state house. Governor Eric Holcomb says Indiana's economic numbers are compelling. Unemployment dropped to a 19-year low, and we've set all-time records in job commitments and capital investment. But the teacher pay issue is still a main concern. Governor Holcomb's plan for teacher pay is for next year. He recommends lawmakers use $250 million from the state's surplus and put it toward teacher retirement funds. Together, that's $115 million more. $115 million more available annually. The House Democrats put forth an amendment last week that would have increased uh, teacher pay, uh, giving out some bonuses that would at least have gotten us to next year. Pay me now. Let's get the money on the table. We can do it. This is all just a, a, a delay. On Thursday, reporters asked Holcomb why he announced a plan this year that's meant for 2021. I wanted to make sure, uh, because I'm hearing a lot of discussion about where we're going to spend money next year. I wanted to plant a flag in the ground or put a stake in the ground and say, 
My plan will be devoting $250 million of that surplus while we're talking about funding projects, and that's my number one priority. Well, Governor Holcomb has repeatedly said that he wants to solve the teacher pay issue the responsible way. He's really hoping that Teacher Compensation Commission will come up with some good recommendations for the 2021 budget. But Democrats are saying we don't have to wait until the next budget to do it. There's nothing in the law that says we can't increase teacher pay this year. Reporting from the Indiana State House, Kayla Sullivan for In Focus. Taylor, thanks. Democratic candidates for governor also responding to Governor Holcomb's address. Candidate Woody Myers said the state of our state presented was a lot rosier than the one I've heard about from Hoosiers who struggle to make a living wage. He says as a state, we must do more to show this year that these educated and well-trained professionals are valued for their contributions. All right, I'm here now with candidate for governor, Josh Owens. Thanks so much for being with us. Of course, thanks for having me. I want to get your reaction to the state of the state address. What did you make of Governor Holcomb's speech? Yeah, I think the big takeaway was uh, on really on teacher pay and public education funding. And uh, it's a lot of the exact same thing that we've seen from the governor. Uh, kind of incrementalism, not quite going all the way. Uh, when I got into this race, I put in place a plan that would put $300 million a year into public education, uh, put a minimum salary for floor of $50,000 or more for all teachers in the state. That's the type of bold, uh, I think, ideas that we need and that we expect from our leaders in the state. And I just didn't quite see it from the governor. But as the governor pointed out, this is potentially more than $100 million in new funding that wasn't there before that could go toward teachers. Do you think that's a step in the right direction? It's certainly a step in the right direction. I think what it's really a response to is the teachers who have shown up uh, in red uh, back in, uh, back in uh, November uh, talking about how they uh, need more professional respect, they need more resources, they need better pay. Uh, they are paid less than all of our counterparts uh, here in the Midwest, and that's something that we really have to fix. So I appreciate that the governor's responding to that, and I appreciate that the teachers have stepped up and are making that, uh, that statement. I uh, encourage them, and it's why our campaign has been standing right beside them both at the Red for Red rally uh, and uh, in this election. The governor's making the right decisions to go in this direction, but we need a whole lot more than what we're getting. With this now being a, a two-way race for the Democratic yeah. nomination, some fundraising figures are out this week. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Woody Myers' campaign raising $170,000 in the last six months. He raised about $84,000. Yeah. Governor Holcomb, $7 million in that yeah. same stretch. Uh, Senator Melton reportedly had some issues raising money and getting signatures. Sure. How are you doing in that regard? Will you have enough money, signatures, and, and support to win this race? Yeah, the thing that I'm most excited by in our fundraising is that we had over 650 uh, donations that were under $100 across the state. Uh, that is uh, grassroots support that, uh, you know, for a new candidate to the, uh, to the election cycle, uh, that's exciting to see. All right, more of that interview on our website. Coming up next, we'll hear from the latest Republican to take on Attorney General Curtis Hill. And we're talking to our news gathering partners in Iowa. We'll recap this week's Democratic debate with the caucuses now just two weeks away. Stick around. I'm ready to take on Donald Trump because when he gets to the tough talk, and the chest thumping, he'll have to stand next to an American war veteran and explain how he pretended bone spurs made him ineligible to serve. Former Mayor Pete Buttigieg, one of the candidates on the debate stage in Iowa this past week with a lot of talk about foreign policy ahead of the Iowa caucus now just two weeks away. And I'm joined today by WHO-TV political director Dave Price, who's out in Des Moines getting ready to cover the caucus. Dave, you covered this debate 
last week. What were some of the big takeaways and, and does it seem to be uh, changing any minds out there in Iowa among caucus goers? Well, that's what we wait to find out. I don't think there was probably that one that one moment maybe that we saw where somebody was so terrible, you know, that people are going to give up and move on. It just doesn't usually work like that in the caucus process. And when you start digging into these polls, it really does seem like four people bunched at the top. You mentioned Mayor Buttigieg. Of course, you have Bernie Sanders, Joe Biden, Elizabeth Warren. So for the most part, it's those four people. Maybe slightly outside of that looking in is A.B. Klobuchar from Minnesota in that fifth spot. As far as Mayor Buttigieg goes, if you look at that debate, you have a lot of people watching him. There was one poll that came out about a week ago from the Des Moines Register, and that's really the kind of the gold standards of polls here around here, the Iowa poll. And he had taken a hit if you go back to what he had in a previous poll. As we know, when you really step back at this and look back over the last decade, 15 years, when you talk about polls, Measuring candidate support leading up to a caucus is so challenging because the caucus process is just not a normal, it's just not a normal night. So sometimes you go in there with your first choice and if that first choice doesn't last in this whole viability thing that they have where you have to have 15% in the room where you really don't get any support. It's very complicated. We could probably spend a whole show talking about it. But because of that, a lot of times you go to a caucus with a first choice and a second choice. So if you look at where Mayor Buttigieg is right now, he has a lot of energy. He has a lot of enthusiasm, a lot of organization, and he's definitely one of those top tier candidates. We remember that little exchange from the debate with Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders. You know, did Sanders at some point say something in private to Warren that a woman can't become president? That came up in the debate. Warren, for the most part, let him off. You know, Sanders denied it. Warren didn't come after him and say, no, you're a liar or whatever. But she probably artfully answered it and kind of moved on. So now this story kind of keeps playing out. And we'll see if it does any damage. All right, thanks, Dave. The latest real clear politics average from all the polls from Iowa showing pretty much a dead heat, as Dave described, with the former mayor just a couple points behind. Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders. All right, let's bring in our panel now to discuss everything in the news this week. Talking 2020, all the news from D.C. to the State House. We're joined today by former GOP lawmaker Mike Murphy, former communications director for the Indiana Democrats, Jennifer Wagner, 2016 vice chair for the Indiana Trump campaign, Tony Samuel, and former state party chair for the Indiana Democrats, Robin Winston. Robin, I want to start with you. I know you'll be out in Iowa a couple weeks from now working with the Biden campaign out there. Can the former VP hang on, stay under the radar here long enough to win in some of these early states? Oh, I believe he can. I mean, it's, it, it's great to be out there. I mean, it's a Tuesday night or it's a Monday night. Whoever can get the most people to the gymnasium. On the day the, after the Super Bowl. On the day after the Super Bowl. <laughs> That's right. right. Whoever does that wins that caucus. you got to be organized. It's all the way across the state. You tally the results, but I believe Joe Biden will do well on, on caucus night. What did you guys make of the debate uh, this past week and the candidates in the field that, are, uh, that still have a chance? Sure. Not a good night for Buttigieg. Um, the, 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 uh, what came out of it the most as far as news was the, the clash between uh, Warren Elizabeth and Warren and yeah. Sanders. And also I thought Tom Steyer got more attention by being in the wrong place at the wrong time at the end of their little... He, he kind of hung uh, around there. Yeah, there were, yeah uh, he looked very, moment very goofy. Yeah. Uh, what about the next few weeks uh, with an impeachment trial underway? Does that give an edge to Biden or Buttigieg? Because they can be in Iowa 
and Senator Sanders and, and Warren and Klobuchar will not. I think it could, and I, I do want to disagree with Tony. I thought this was actually a very substantive debate that got very deep into foreign policy and domestic issues, and I thought it was the first time we've really seen that happen. And I think it's because there were fewer candidates on the stage that they were able to have that conversation. As for the next few weeks, they're going to be really interesting. Uh, obviously, the senators have to be where they have to be, which I think could give the vice president, uh, former vice president, and Pete Buttigieg uh, an edge. All right. Obviously, uh, this coming week, uh, the big story will be impeachment and the trial starting in the U.S. Senate. What impact will that have broadly uh, on this election year? You know, we mentioned the senators will have to stay in D.C. for the trial, but more broadly, what are the implications, do you think, for the president himself? in the midst of an election well, it's, year? Number one, it's never good to be impeached. Um, I would never recommend it for anybody. <laughs> but I think it depends how they handle themselves. It's truly to tell. Yeah. If some of these senators make fools of themselves, I think Rand Paul's already started to do that a little bit, which is not unusual for him. Um, but if, if you know Susan Collins has to watch out, has to play the game very carefully, it just depends how the individuals uh, handle themselves. Now, it also depends if there's much news that comes out of it, if this Parnas stuff generates anything new, then people in Iowa will be watching TV instead of going to the Could high be. school to see Joe Biden. A so it just depends. A lot of new developments uh, this week, some explosive new allegations, other, other new evidence that's now being, being made public. Well, by Parnas and, and others. I mean, that's what we were saying. This case rolls forward. If you followed Watergate, more things came out later on in the process. You just got to keep, you got to stay on it. To just stamp that it's a big hoax is the president trying to sweep it underneath the rug. Senator Braun, uh, though, telling Fox News Radio Thursday that he thought Lev Parnas's accusations against President Trump were, quote, orchestrated by House Democrats uh, to be broadcast hours before the Senate began its impeachment trial. I think that's obvious. I think Senator Braun's right on target. Unless Parnas has already been discredited, he's a guy that's been indicted. He's um, uh, for campaign uh, finance violations. He is saying what he needs to say to try to get himself out of trouble. And it's just a, another in a long pattern. I mean, this has been going on for years with the Russian hoax and now the impeachment hoax. I'll, I'll call it that. Uh, so the, the good thing is, uh, you know, we can get past this with a, a, a fairly uh, speedy, fair Senate trial and look at all of the successes that, that President Trump has had here just recently with the China trade deal with the USMCA trade deal with uh, taking out Soleimani, and it's just going to continue for the next I'm nine months I'm not sure anyone will be able to election. agree in the Senate on what a fair trial is. No, I definitely don't think so. And I think it's also a little ridiculous in this day and age to, to, for a politician to say, oh, this is orchestrated. Everything is orchestrated in politics. We live in the era of television news. We are talking about this on television. Do you think we could get Lev Parnas to do an interview on this program? He's done, he's done a lot of interviews. I feel, you know what, let's invite him for next week. <laughs> but, that, I mean, that's, that is a ridiculous standard. I mean, everything is being done for public consumption, whether it's Democrats or Republicans, and there's nothing wrong with that. How will Indiana well, senators handle this? Well, the thing I'm concerned about is any U.S. senator, and I have to parrot Lamar Alexander here. Lamar Alexander said again this week, he said any senator who is expressing an opinion on, on Trump's guilt or innocence is not doing justice to the process. As a jury. In and the he's, as a, as juror, a juror, yes. Right. And he is uh, undecided, at least formally, and it concerns me. I think Todd Young's done a really good job of trying to stay somewhat objective and neutral and hold back his opinion. Braun concerns me a little bit, but who knows. So speaking of Senator Braun this week, we're also hearing from him on the topic of trade and the Indiana impact. Tony mentioned those trade deals, the USMCA passing the Senate moments before the impeachment trial started, and the president signed phase one of the initial trade deal with China. 
The whole ag arena has been upset because we've got increasingly fewer large corporations that comp uh, comprise all the inputs, historically low prices, overproduction of soybeans and corn. The United States concedes our leverage, and in exchange, China makes vague, unenforceable promises it never intends to fulfill. Now, we also got reaction on the trade deal this week from Governor Eric Holcomb. That is first step. Uh, this will be good for Indiana. It'll be good for our uh, uh, manufacturers and good for our uh, farmers. Uh, but again, this is, uh, this is a good sign that we're moving in the right direction. Holcomb, of course, delivering his State of the State address Tuesday night, touting Indiana's economy. But, of course, the big headline on the teacher pay issue. What did you make of his address, Robin, and what are the implications in an election year where the polls have shown Holcomb's approval ratings in pretty good shape? They are in good shape, but I mean, 15,000 teachers came to Indianapolis to express what's going on. He didn't address anything on infant mortality at all, and that's a growing problem across our state. Healthcare costs are spiraling out of control. Nothing said about that. So it's the old Billy Preston song, nothing from nothing leaves nothing. That's how I look well, at it. Well, well, well. I mean, you may not have seen it to the speech to the end. But at the end of the I speech, think, he did talk about infant mortality. He said we've had yeah, a not. huge drop in the infant mortality rates from, I think, two years ago, 602 children, babies died last year, 559, which is an 8% drop. So you missed that. But the thing no, that can... State of the Union speech I did. He did say that. Now, let's get to the teachers for a second. The Democrats must not understand economics or maybe never been in business for themselves. But the fact is that by paying down $250 million in debt, he's producing $50 million in interest savings, which will be available forever. It's That's the smart way to do it. You get rid of your debt. That frees up cash. That's what my dad taught me when I was 15 or 16 speaking, years old. Speaking of cash, in an election year, you saw some of those figures come out. Governor Holcomb with uh, 7 million cash on hand, by the way, 2 million in this last uh, six-month period. A lot more money than his potential Democratic opponents. Yes, one of those things was not like the others uh, in the announcement of the financial uh, uh, status in the race. Um, look, it's, it's, it's rough, right? Like, neither one of the candidates that we have announced right now have enough money to mount a serious campaign against Eric Holcomb. There, I said it. That's that doesn't true. mean that we won't be able to mount a serious campaign against Eric Holcomb, but right now, we're not there. 30 seconds. Uh, Tony, I want to get your reaction. Sure. I mean, we've already seen one uh, major candidate on the Democrat side drop out. I would expect we could see another one. It's just going to be tough and getting tougher for them. And one guy brags about 650 contributors. I have that many at my St. Patrick's Day party oh, every year. Please. Oh, please. Wow. This race is going to be about attorney general, and we'll talk okay. about that. Yeah, in fact, we'll talk about it next. That's okay. a great segue, Robin. Another Republican is challenging attorney general Curtis Hill for the party's nomination this year. His connection to our former governor and what he's telling us about the race coming up next. We are your local election headquarters, and this election year we'll continue to talk with the candidates in a number of races, including the crowded race for Congress in the 5th District. Of course, a lot of hot topics in this current Congress, a number of the candidates weighing in recently on the situation in the Middle East and the War Powers Act that just passed the House. I asked candidate Kent Abernathy about that topic earlier this week. What is your view uh, on the War Powers Act, on war authorization, and the role Congress plays there in, in situations like these? Well, it, Congress certainly plays a role. Um, however, the president needs to have the ability to take out uh, the targets necessary to ensure security of Americans. 
Abernathy himself is a military veteran. We'll have more of that interview on our website. We're also hearing from the latest candidate to seek the Republican nomination for Attorney General, Adam Krupp. He's currently the commissioner of the Indiana Department of Revenue. He previously served as special counsel to former Governor Mike Pence. I believe I have a proven track record of success in Indiana at agencies that collectively have impacted the lives of Hoosiers in all 92 counties, mostly in a legal capacity. Incumbent Attorney General Curtis Hill and John Westerkamp also running for the Republican nomination with party leaders having already called for Hill's resignation. On the other side of the aisle, Karen Tallian and Jonathan Weinzapfel are running for the Democratic nomination. There are new numbers out this week on the impact of legalized sports gambling in Indiana. In the four months since it's been legal, Hoosiers have wagered nearly $436 million on sports, earning the state $3.7 million in tax revenue. Big day of football on both of our stations today. CBS 4 has the AFC championship game between the Titans and the Chiefs at 3 p.m. And then on Fox 59, it's the NFC championship at 6.30, the Green Bay Packers and San Francisco 49ers as we find out who gets into Super Bowl 54 two weeks from today. You can watch the big game, Super Bowl Sunday, on Fox 59. Stick around. We're back with this week's winners and losers right after this. All right, time for this week's winners and losers. Robin, I'll start with you. Virginia is going to ratify the ERA pretty soon. I think that's going to be tremendous. It's out of the box, but I think it's something that's going to make a difference. Loser is Donald Trump and his allies. Tony? My winner for the week is Governor Eric Holcomb. He gave a great state of the state speech, and I think what voters see is his sincerity. I think that's his real strength. I actually agree with Tony. I think that Eric Holcomb won the week, and I think it's, um, it's his consistency. I think that's what we're looking for in all of our politicians, and I think he's delivering on that. All right, Mikey, you thought Two winners. Uh, Eric Holcomb, maybe the best week of his political career, not only a great state of the state message, but $1.1 billion in new economic development announcements this past week. Incredible. And my other winner is Amy Klobuchar, the only Democrat in the debate to mention the national debt. All right. Well, there you go. We'll leave it there. But we've got much more coverage to come online. You can catch our, catch our podcast there. And we'll see you again next Sunday right here on In Focus. Have a great weekend and a happy Martin Luther King. Much more to discuss here on our podcast today. Robin Winston, Tony Samuel, Jennifer Wagner, Mike Murphy. We're talking about all kinds of things here in this election year, 2020, uh, including uh, the State of the State Address this past week and some of those fundraising figures that came out in the race for governor. Uh, not a huge surprise because we knew Governor Holcomb had a lot in his campaign coffers, but at this point in terms of cash on hand, uh, just a significant, a hugely significant advantage over his potential yeah, Democratic you, rivals. You expect the incumbent to have more cash on hand, but not to the extent he does. And, and again, you know, Eric Holcomb has not been a career politician. He's been a career uh, chief of staff. Politics, yeah, yeah, kind right. of a career chief yeah. of staff, I would call him. But his, his appeal, just look at the morning consult numbers that came out yesterday. He is, he's above water with Republicans, as you would expect, with Democrats, and with independents. I mean, the election is over already. What do you make of those numbers? We talked about it a little bit on the television program. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not good. Um, neither one of the Democratic candidates right now has enough to, to credibly challenge a sitting governor. 
Um, and I, you know, I mentioned this, but I mean, one of the things Eric Holcomb has done is he's been consistent. You know, Democrats, we can say like he hasn't done enough, or we want more bold leadership, but those are not the most effective talking points when it comes to beating an incumbent governor. And the other thing too about the Democratic candidates right now, both of whom I, I think are, are qualified to have this job and are good people, but. Um, most people don't realize how hard it is to get on the ballot in and Indiana. They don't have the signatures yet. Right. They don't. I mean, and it is. It is. Again, you think, oh, it's only 500 signatures per congressional district, and then you go out to like, I don't know, a district like the fourth district, and you have to find 500 Democrats who are willing to sign something, and you really have to find about 700 of them to make sure you have qualified signatures, and it's that's a heavy lift. So I'm a little bit worried that they're going to make that deadline. And you can't. And you can't uh, forge Joe Kernan's name anymore. Oh, would you in quit Indiana? it? Oh, <laughs> quit it. Man. Oh. How big of a hole are Democrats in here in the big hole. for governor? Uh, but the biggest hole she alluded to is the petitions. I mean, yeah. Dr. Was, Myers told me last week he thinks he's close, but I, I don't I mean, know. I was he, with, who, who we knows? were trying to get petitions for Frank Lewis O'Bannon yeah. three days before the election. It's hard to do. Yeah. We're up at African American. Uh, community up in Fort Wayne trying to trying to finish it out. It's very tough to do. Holcomb has an, a very big fundraising lead. Okay, and, and he does have the signatures. He's going to be filing. Yeah, but next so did week. Tony Bennett. He yeah. had a big fundraising lead. Right. Okay, and so did some other people that have lost. Probably Dick Luger. So you know, it doesn't necessarily translate into losing. Sort of having by okay. over a tie. Yeah, guns. it's not insurmountable, but it's right. really the hard. Ultimately decide. It's going to, and we got a presidential race ahead of us, an impeachment ahead of us. We don't know where this is going to spiral out of control. Could we were talking about it during one of the commercial breaks, though? Could another candidate get into the field, especially if either of these candidates? Uh, currently running don't get those signatures. Yeah. I mean, my understanding is if we don't have a candidate that qualifies under the state law by getting the 4,500 signatures, that the state central committee gets to decide who the candidate is. And that's a whole different ballgame. Yeah, Importantville's Adam Wren reported uh, this past week Mayor Joe Hogsett may be thinking about a run in 2024. Could they call him up this year? You wouldn't have to get petitions. So, you know, that, I mean, that's that's how it works. That's why I asked earlier. I knew the answer to it. He wouldn't have I, to give up his mayorship. No, he wouldn't no. have to give up his mayorship. Right. It's not no. an election. And he's year. got a bunch of money and he loves to raise money, so. Tony, you haven't talked to you yet. What do you make of what these guys are <laughs> saying? Really, I mean, I, I don't disagree with anything that's been said. It's going to be very tough for the, the Democrats, and I, I, I think it is a... Holcomb's uh, to win, and he's going to win it. But, um, you know, what about Buttigieg? We haven't thought about him uh, uh, Could at some he point, hop yeah. into the race. Yeah. By, I think the deadline, what, is a few it's days quick, after quick, Iowa? A few, like yeah, four days or something yeah. like that yeah. after. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty close. Mm -hmm. That possibility was uh, speculated on uh, several weeks back. We haven't heard a lot mm -hmm. about that lately. But if, if the former mayor doesn't win in Iowa, if he's, if he's third or even fourth or, or, or worse, that might Perhaps no, I don't, think, you don't think? I don't think people I, do that. I don't think so. No, because I, I think, think he's going to do great in Iowa and New Hampshire. You think so? I do. Yeah. 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 He's also had to position himself politically, probably in a much different lane. Um, you know, even though he's the moderate in the race for president, has a, has had to position himself than you probably would have otherwise if you're running for Indiana governor. Is that a fair way to no, assess I it? No, I think it's right. I mean, running nationally for the Democratic Party is a heck of a lot different than running as a Democrat statewide in Indiana. First of all, as we like to say. Most Democrats in Indiana would be Republicans in any other state. It's just, I mean, look at people like John Gregg, who've, who've done well in this state, right, overall. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And they're just a different breed of Democrats than the East Coast and the West Coasters. 
All right, where, what else are you watching for 2020? You mentioned it on television that, that a lot of the uh, division within the Republican Party may come down to this attorney general race. There's going to be an attorney general race. The on the you just floor had of the convention. Mike Pence, yeah. one, of top, one of Mike Pence's top staff people, decided to run right. for attorney general. Uh, you already got another guy in the race for attorney general. You got the whole thing being deliberated on the court system with the present attorney general. Seems like a lot of flux right there. We had two candidates that already raised over six figures for attorney general. I think that bodes well for us. You also have a Democrat, former, for, well, former Supreme Court justice, who gets to make the decision oh, right. on yeah. what right. happens to Curtis I, I Hill. So there's that play, too. Who yeah. I think has outraised both of the gubernatorial Oh, yeah, yeah. Wine, I mean, right. Weinsapple is, I've, I serve him. He's a great guy. He's a man of integrity. He was a decent mayor in uh, Evansville. And uh, he's perfectly qualified. The question is, again, with Trump coming in over the top, um, what happens? If there's no governor's race, the only race of any excitement in this state will be uh, the 5th District Congress, right? So there'll be a lot of money spent, raised and spent there, no matter who it is. But then if somebody wants to get involved statewide, it really devolves down to the Attorney General's race. And, and that seems like a really interesting race still, too, the 5th District race. Yeah, for Congress, a lot of right? folks, um, and there might be, there might still be a few, and yeah. it just means that uh, it's a little bit easier to, to win for some of these folks that normally, in a two or three way race, uh, might not have a chance. But they've just got to get a few more votes than the others. It's a May primary, don't forget. So it's it's going to come pretty quickly. I did so, want to make. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Uh, on the AG's race, now that Krupp is in, and uh, the West. Moreland, Western Camps. Westmoreland yeah. uh, West losing yes. the war. <laughs> I knew I wasn't getting it right as it was, as it was coming out. But, but, um, and I pay attention and I can't get his, uh, get his name right. But and that, that'll go to show that it, you'll also see that with uh, convention delegates. Remember, it's just a 2,000 or some right. uh, person, uh, um, uh, 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 people voting. And Curtis Hill is very well liked. Um, with conservatives, and that's a huge block of that 2,000, and they're going to stand with him. And um, and now you might have the other two splitting some of the but other. Could people. we get out, have others in that race? You know, Todd Rokita's. Oh, sure, we mentioned. could. But Curtis Hill, his best play is to paint himself as a victim, which I know sounds weird because he's supposed to be the perp, right? But these narcissistic guys like Curtis Hill and Donald Trump, they're very good at flipping the paradigm and saying, "Wait a minute, I'm the victim here. Feel sorry for me." And in that case, everybody loves to hate Indianapolis, right? And he will say it's these Outside establishment the people in Indianapolis trying to take me down. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, what are you watching on the national level? Obviously, we've got the impeachment trial uh, coming up this week. And <laughs> former Florida Attorney General Pam Bondi will be on the floor of the Senate making arguments on behalf of the president. I think we're going to end up with a Democratic U.S. Senate and a Democratic House. I think people like Cory Gardner and Joni Ernst, Iowa, um, McSally in Arizona. They're going to lose their seats. Quite Collins. a situation with McSally this week in the halls of the Senate. That's right. Calling a, a CNN reporter a, a liberal hack. Right. So I think we're going to win the United States Senate. You could easily have Democrats in charge of the Senate and the House. I'm sure you have we're, a different Yeah, we're going to have to come back to this podcast and <laughs> maybe place a wager. I'm going to say the exact opposite. We're going to keep the Senate and in, maybe increase numbers and, and, and take back the House. And of course, win the presidency.
Again, so, uh, Robin's getting his wallet out. Right? <laughs> I know. Well, it's what small. What are we doing? It's, it's legal now in Indiana. Right. Right. So, politics I don't know. Yeah. Put the card down. I think you know we have a pretty good chance. I think we have a pretty good chance of winning the Senate. He's just throwing throwing money around over here, guys. You should see this. It's just an audio. The state house. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Money in the middle. We'll split it up. No, I think. But I think I was reading a lot this week about the comparisons between this impeachment proceeding and the Clinton one. And Ken Starr's. Both. Yeah, and it, but yeah. it's just it's so much different, um, and and there was so much more bipartisanship back then. Even though the sides disagreed, um, I, I just it, it's painful to watch this. I mean, with what Braun said about the orchestrated nature of it, um, everything is orchestrated in politics. You've got Nancy Pelosi marching down the hall and, and reading things aloud, and and it's all done for for show. And I mean, and it, I think. In a way, that's a good thing, right? Because we can see it every night on the news. We can watch in real time. But it's also not great for our national dialogue. Yeah, I, I might just comment on that. Uh, you're right that so much is done for show. But so much is also done, in my opinion, to fool the American public into thinking something. This impeachment is, is a real deal, and it's not. Again, my opinion, but what shared is a with, real deal? by a lot of folks. Well, it's happening, but it's it's it shouldn't be. And I think you'll see that in the Senate trial. There, in those two articles of impeachment, there's no real crime even uh, 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 spelled out in those two articles. So you'll see that. And I think the American public is smarter than what Nancy Pelosi thinks, and I think they see through that that pen signing with Nancy Pelosi's name on the pen. Uh, after is just another, you know, another another example. Will the the Parnas uh, revelations allegations uh, make a difference uh, on the floor of the Senate in terms of perhaps in terms of the Republican senators who are on the fence about whether or not to call? Witnesses? I think some people will call for witnesses. But what Nancy Pelosi's done better than anybody I've seen, she's gotten inside Donald Trump's head, and she's got him rattled. I mean, he couldn't even welcome LSU to the White House yesterday without talking about impeachment. He couldn't sign the trade agreement. Without, she has got in his head, and that's the most effective thing she's done. What about um, the, the news of this past week? Left Parnas kind of pointing fingers at everyone. Well, the in most the intriguing thing, which I don't know if anybody's picked up on it, but Parnas is talking about Robert Hyde, okay? And that's important because Robert Hyde candidate. claims to own a public affairs company called A10 Associates that is, quote, active in Indiana. Nobody's picked up on that. I've asked all my reporter friends. Who is Robert Hyde? What's he doing in Indiana? And nobody has figured that one out. He yet. also I think it's interesting. said that uh, Hyde and uh, I don't know that this means much of anything. That Hyde and uh, Congressman Greg Pence from Indiana were yelling at each other in a bar. Well, I've heard something. fist fight. I've it, heard punches. I've heard well, yelling. I, I mean, it sounds is. like from what I've read, and I, I don't Marines, know everything, but but this Hyde guy is way out there, and and even Parnas has said that. <laughs> really, yeah. yeah. And, and, and yeah, I mean, he's not gonna. He's just uh, kind of a kook, I guess, from what I hear. Well, we'll see where uh, we things know. head next. These next two weeks, not only do you look at you know, a trial on the floor of the Senate, but we're headed toward the State of the Union address, toward the Iowa caucus, yep. two weeks from now in the uh, days right after the Super Bowl. So it's going to be a, a, a But, you know, Robin mentioned um, losing the Senate. I don't think the Republicans lose the Senate. What they could do is lose their, stop, their top senator. You've got to watch that McConnell reelection race in Kentucky because he will be buffeted by forces well outside his control. The, the impeachment and all this will be, you know, we, we don't know how it's going to play. I know you were down in Kentucky during the uh, okay. governor's race mm -hmm. there. Well, you got a, a Marine Corps officer 
with 49 combat missions, flying a Super Hornet, landing in the, during the war, and she's running against him. She's doing very well. She's probably going to raise upwards of $100 million for that seat. Um, McConnell is not very popular, um, was nowhere to be seen for Bevin. Of course, they didn't get along with each other. That's a former governor. And uh, now you have a Democratic governor of Kentucky. Here's what I'd ask you to keep in mind. Last time, a million... A Tony, million, by the way, just took all the money. I know. He's laid on until we agreed that I was going to win. It's always taken from the government. He agreed that I was going to win the bet. I put my money out. He takes it. And, and I was kind of distracted. And I figured he knew I was going to win the bet. So There's your trickle down right there. But she'll be viable. She'll be viable. Here's your winner right there. And, of course, Indiana Senator Todd Young now chairing the NRSC, which means he's the one coordinating a lot of those Senate races on the Republican side. We've had, you know, we had. Uh, he just gave the money back, by the Susan, way. This is an Brooks, audio podcast. Susan not as much as I gave him. <laughs> no, right. Susan Brooks was running the NRCC. Now, with her right. lame duck status, um, I'm not sure how active she will be or is expected to be. She kind of. She told me last week that she said, "Come see me because now, because in July when you're retiring, they put you in a cubicle. They make, they throw you out of your office and put you in a cubicle." They can get ready for the next man or lady to take over. And then you have Todd Young, who is going to, it's I mean, a very tough year to be running the Senate campaigns. Yeah. I mean, so who knows? We'll see what happens. It'll be an interesting year to come. And we'll be talking about it all right here every Sunday on In Focus. Thanks, guys. We'll see you next week.